Well, good morning, Springbrook. If you could stand in body or in spirit as we prepare to worship. If you are online for the 9 o'clock service, um, feel free to grab the connection card that should be on your screen. Let's worship this morning. Whoever believes in him will live forever. 
Will reign. 
God spoke to the people of Israel through the prophet Ezekiel, promising to restore them and give them new life, proving that he is indeed the sovereign king over all things. It says in Ezekiel 37, 1 through 6, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of this valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will breathe in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord.
you are great you are king over everything you are before everything you are in everything and everything is in you Lord would you help us hear that this morning would you help us understand and believe that this morning and where we don't believe Lord would you help our unbelief would you help us live like that is true like you do reign like you are victorious Jesus, you aren't on the cross and you aren't in the grave. You rose, you ascended, you conquered, and now you reign. You always have and you always will. And so, Lord, would you help us live like it? Would you help us believe that that is true this morning? Because that's what matters, Lord. We are here to worship you. We are here to glorify you. We are here to give you praise because you are so great and you are so good. Would you help us do that this morning, Lord? Would you help us experience your spirit, Lord? And by the power of your spirit, would you allow us to worship you, to glorify you, because you deserve it? It's in your name we pray this morning. Amen. You may be seated.
good morning, Springbrook. My name is Andy Suarez, and it's good to see all these smiling faces here today. Um, whether you're in person with us or you're joining us online, thank you for being here. Thank you for making this a priority in your Sunday morning. Um, if you are with us in person, you're going to see there's a connection slip. That's what we call that little white slip. Um, if you want, you can fill that out with any information that you have and let us know about any prayer requests you might have or any praises that you want our prayer team to lift up for you. Um, if you're joining us online, there's a connections card right up in the top right, I think, of where your browser is, so you can fill that out there also. Uh, we have a few things that are going on. We're starting Sunday morning prayer, and it says 925 to 945. It's 1025. We don't want you guys gathering and praying during the service, probably. Um, but directly after the first service, so between the two services, we're going to be gathering in this room um, and just praying. So the prayer team is going to be here on Sundays, and if you are either looking for prayer or you want to join us in prayer, we welcome you to come join us. Um, it's going to be starting next week between 1025 and 1045. Uh, we have a leadership gathering that's coming up. Um, if you are a leader at Springbrook, hopefully you already know this and you've received the emails and you've already registered. Um, if you are interested in leadership or even interested in, in serving in some aspect, it might be a good place for you to come. We'd love for you to come, but we would like you to RSVP very soon because that is coming up next week. You can do that at springbrook.org slash leader. Um, and then the third thing, pastor appreciation. It is September. This is like clapworthy because it's September and we are announcing that next month is pastor appreciation. Um, and so in the past, we've always kind of come into this in October, which is actually pastor appreciation month. And man, we love our pastors here. They just take such good care of us and they're doing so many things behind the scenes and we really want to honor them. And so through October, we're going to be kind of just pointing out one pastor each week and just talking a little bit about them, letting you know some of the things that they're doing behind the scenes that you may not know and how they're serving this church and serving this body. Uh, so just be looking forward to that coming in October. Um, pastor Rich is going to be out in just a few minutes. Enjoy the service. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are here this morning. Did you know that you are a part of a community? Springbrook Church is a community of Christ followers and people exploring what it means to be on a spiritual journey. Isn't it a great journey to be on together? We have been created to be in community with one another, and it is so exciting to see how God has been at work. Last week, I was talking to some of our small group leaders. Our small groups are our frontline pastoral care. And so our small groups care for one another, they pray for one another, they deliver meals. And uh, it was so encouraging just to hear how God has been at work in and through this community, through our small groups. And I just want to encourage you that if you want to be a part of a small group community, uh, this is open enrollment. Next week, we're kicking off uh, week one of a study through Colossians. And um, we've got some small group curriculum that you'll be following along with your small groups on. And so if you uh, want to jump into a small group, uh, be sure and sign up uh, for that uh, today. 
And then uh, last week, we were at an Informed Choices banquet. You know, Springbrook supports Informed Choices. It uh, works with uh, McHenry and Lake County. It's a, it's a pregnancy and parenting crisis center working with uh, families that are working through pregnancy issues, you know, especially in light of what's been happening uh, with the overturning of Roe. They have been so busy. And at a banquet last week, they shared with us that they have been in, in 10 different schools. Uh, they have made seven, over 700 presentations to kids explaining to them the importance of the sanctity of life. Over 5,000 kids uh, they've had an opportunity to speak with. They've been in uh, 10 different schools. They've had over 1,700 people. Almost 1,700 people have visited their uh, uh, pregnancy center. Um, they've done 16 gospel presentations, and uh, they have served... Uh, over 460 clients. And so uh, it was exciting just this year see how God has been working in and through um, our ministry and through our partners in our community. I mean, this is a regional ministry that's important to us at Springbrook, as well as many other regional ministries. And then last week, um, I was at a uh, Converge uh, board meeting uh, talking about um, just how God has been working in and through our district, through church planting. Um, We have deployed eight church planting pastors uh, just this past year. We have 11 brand new churches uh, that have started up in our district. And so we are a part of that. You know, Springbrook is a part of what God's doing uh, in, our, in our church, in our community, and in our region, and then around the world. Because then after I got done with that, I got a text from the Timothy Initiative, just wanted to share with me a picture of people getting baptized. They have a two-month-old church plant uh, where people are making faith commitments. 57 people have been baptized on this site alone. And the Timothy Initiative so far this year has planted over 16,000 churches. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Church matters. What we're doing is important. We're helping people in our community come to understand their need for a relationship with Christ. We're growing passionate disciples. And we're making a difference in our community, in our region, and around the world. Isn't that outstanding? Church is important. And I'm so thankful for everyone at Springbrook that serves and financially supports the work of this ministry. We are a part of what God wants to do as we make the manifold wisdom of Christ known in our community in our nation, and around the globe. You know, we are making an impact. We are going to be in uh, Mark chapter 4 in just a moment, Uh, but I want to read a little bit from you from uh, uh, chapter 1. Mark opens the chapter up. John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus as you uh, open the book of Mark. And you get to chapter 1, verse 4, we see Jesus is teaching about baptism for the repentance of sins. As you move into verse 9, Jesus establishes a new baptism, a baptism with the Holy Spirit. You see, John has been preparing the way for Jesus, baptizing people for the repentance of sins. But when Jesus starts his ministry, he initiates a new baptism with the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts chapter 19, um, Paul is uh, moving through uh, a region and he gets to uh, Galilee and in 19, beginning in uh, verse 1, he runs across some disciples and he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, what were you baptized into? And they said, John's baptism. And Paul said, John's baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come. 
after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And so there is a right way and a wrong way to be baptized. Baptism is an important part of how we experience identity with Christ. It identifies us with one another. The baptism in, in the prior to the Jesus ministry was a baptism acknowledging our need for repentance for sins. But when Jesus was baptized, he, he brought about a new way, a new understanding of what baptism is. It's about identifying with him. It's about inviting this Holy Spirit that's external to come into your life. And so he, he brings about a new understanding of what baptism is. And we see that in uh, verse 9 at the beginning of Mark chapter 1. As you move down into verse 12, um, we see that Jesus would be tempted by Satan in the desert. As he begins his ministry, it starts off with temptation. And then when we get to verse 14 in chapter 1, it says this. After John was arrested, he came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Verse 14, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the good news about the gospel of God, the good news of that, that he is our Messiah, that he's here to forgive our sins. He's proclaiming this good news, this gospel of God saying, the time has been fulfilled. You're no longer waiting for an anticipated Messiah. I am here. Scripture has been fulfilled. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe and repent in the gospel. And so we're to repent and believe in the gospel. We are living in the kingdom of God right now. Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. The good news about Christ is going throughout all the world. There's going to be a point where Jesus returns and the fulfillment of that kingdom will be realized. But right now we are living in the kingdom of God. It is at hand right now. And we are to be repenting and believing in this good news. That's what the kingdom of God is. And Jesus has established that. As you move into Mark chapter four, Jesus gives us a specific example of what the kingdom of God is like. In Mark chapter four, he says that he gives us the parable of the soils. And he talks about, we share God's word with people and it falls on different types of ground. And so he gives us the parable of the soils in uh, Mark 4, beginning in 14. He said, the sower sows the word. We're sharing the good news about Christ. And there's some of that seed that falls along the path where the word is sown. When they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away and nothing happens. And then there's one that sows on rocky ground. They receive the word with joy. They do not, they enjoy, but they, they don't endure because tribulation, persecution arises, uh, accounts of the world, there's things that cause them to fall away. And then there's some seed falls in the thorns, uh, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things enters in and chokes them out and they are unfruitful. And then there's seed that falls on good soil. One who hears it, accepts it, and they start to bear fruit. Their lives are changed 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And there's impact as a result of what God's doing. When you get to verse 26, he says this, the kingdom of God is a man that should scatter seed on the ground. Referring back to that parable. The kingdom of God is made up of us telling others about their need for a relationship with Christ, the good news about Christ and building one another up in the faith. And then after he casts that seed, he sleeps, 
He rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He does not know how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain of the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it to the sickle because the harvest has come. And so when you read through this passage, Jesus is describing what the kingdom of God is like. This is the kingdom that we're a part of right now. This is the kingdom that we're in right now. And he gives us a description of what it is. And so he tells us about our role. The kingdom of God is like a man should scatter seed on the ground. Our responsibility is to scatter the seed. We tell people about Jesus. And then you know what we do? We go to sleep. (laughs) We go to sleep night and day. The seed sprouts and grows and he does not know how. Our responsibility is to tell people about the good news about Christ. And then we have to trust God with the results. You see, it's God that makes it grow. I don't know how he does it. The Holy Spirit works and convicts people in their life. He draws people into relationship with himself. No one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. Our responsibility is to share this good news. And then we go to sleep. We have to trust God with the results. It grows in its own time. It's a miracle. The earth produces all by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And so this miracle of life happens. When somebody makes a faith commitment, we become Christ followers. All of a sudden we begin to grow and begin to bear fruit. And so fruit bearing is an important part of the Christian life. We evaluate our life. We look at our life and we say, how's my relationship with Christ changed me? How's that influencing the people around me? We bear fruit. And then our role after that is when the grain is ripe at once, he puts it to the sickle because the harvest has come. We are praying for workers for the harvest. Our responsibility is to pray and to be responsible for what God has called us to do, namely sharing the gospel, telling others about Christ and encouraging one another in our faith as he does the work. Our responsibility is to scatter seed on the ground. And when the harvest is ready, then we get to be a part of that harvest. Every time somebody makes a faith commitment, we get to celebrate that. Every time somebody takes a step in their faith, we get to celebrate that. Every time somebody gets involved in a small group, we get to celebrate that. Every time somebody steps out in missions activity and and shares Christ, we get to celebrate that. And so our responsibility is to scatter the seed and 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 to harvest it after it becomes mature. It is God that causes it to grow. That is not an activity that is our response. We're not responsible for what people do with what we share with them. That's God. God either works in them or not. It's our responsibility to share and to harvest, but it is God's responsibility to make sure that it grows and produces fruit. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. God causes it to take root and grow. And so when we think about the kingdom of God, it looks like this. There are some responsibilities that we have. There are some things that we do as a part of being a part of this biblical community. We have responsibilities. There's, there's things that we need to do. And then there's things that only God can do. Only God can bring new life. Only God can bring people to growth. Only God can grow people. We share, and then God does the work. We maintain and take care of our responsibilities, and then we trust God to do what he needs to do. We know that church is important. What we're doing is critically important. It's important because it was important to Jesus. We know what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be making disciples by baptizing them and teaching them until in the Holy, until and Jesus is going to be with us until the very end of the age. And so there's things that we know we need to do. And then there's things that only God can do. But what does church look like? Wouldn't it be great if we had an example of what church looked like? 
When you think about what church looks like, is there an example that we can follow? Good news. We have an example. We have a great example of what church looks like. We find that in uh, Acts uh, chapter 2. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But when you read through and look at the work that God's doing, we know that Jesus is the head of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the grave, so that he can have first place in anything. He loves the church. He gave himself up for it. You know, he says to Peter, who understands who Jesus is, he says, on your confession of faith, I'm going to build my church. And so Jesus is building the church. It's his church. He's the head of it, and he builds it. The plan is that through this church, the manifold wisdom of God might be known to the rulers, to the authorities, and the heavenly places. And so the manifold wisdom of God is, is that we would help others to understand what it means to have a relationship with Christ and grow in their faith. And we are one in the body, just as a body has many members and all the members are the one in the body, though many all on the body are, are one with Christ. And so we're individually members, but together we're using our gifts to accomplish what God has for us in the church. You know, you yourselves, since you are eager for anything, you know, be eager to strive for and excel in building up this body of Christ. You know, we are to use our gifts to build up the body of Christ. Church is important to God. It's important to us. It's a part of God's plan, and we've been given a great example in Acts chapter 2. So if you would, turn with me to uh, Acts chapter 2. I have a few passages I want to share with you, and if you know where we're going in Acts chapter 2, and some of you might, I have this passage highlighted in my Bible. It's got five different colors on here. I preached on this passage twice uh, in the last two and a half years, and so I've got my notes all over it. And so for some of us, this passage that we're going to be looking at is familiar. If it's familiar to you, then it's my prayer that you have been living it out, that you have experienced the fruit of this. So sometimes we come to passages and we say, oh, well, I already know that. But hopefully when we come to the passage, we can say, not only do I know it, but I've been a good example of what it means to live it out. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is teaching to believers that have gathered for the Passover and he's telling them the good news about Jesus. It says 3,000 people made faith commitments. They believed that day. When you get to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says this. After they did that, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were holding everything together in common. They were selling their possessions, their belongings, and distributing all the proceeds to anyone that had need. And day by day, attending the temple court together, they were breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and sincere hearts, and they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. And so it's here in Acts chapter 2 that we get a model for what the church is supposed to be doing. You know, this series has been about helping us to understand why is the church important? When somebody asks you, why is the church important? We should be able to give an answer for that. It's important because it was important to Jesus. He built it. It's important because it's how God makes his manifold wisdom known in our communities, in our lives, and, and how we sharpen and grow together in our faith. And then he's given us an example in Acts chapter 2 that we're going to uh, look at in some detail that tells us what it's supposed to look like. In Acts chapter 2, we see that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so everyone that became Christ followers, 
All those that believed were baptized. They were 3,000 people. The first thing that they did was they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so what does it mean to be devoted to something? If you think about all the things that we get devoted to, there's all kinds of things that we're devoted to. If you've got, you know, uh, you know you're devoted to taking care of your house, you have to mow the grass. And so we're, we're devoted to taking care of our stuff. We're devoted to make sure that we're taking care of our cars. We're, we're devoted to, um, you know, I'm devoted to Costco. I got a membership there, so I can go shopping. I mean, we, our devotion shows itself in many different ways. These people, after they made faith commitments, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. What does it mean to be devoted to something? Devoted is unconditional willingness to be available. When you're devoted to something, you are available. And you're available routinely. It's not, you're not devoted to something if you say, hey, I'm going to be devoted to this for an hour and then I'm going to be gone for the other six days. Devotion is something that you carry with you on a routine basis. You know, we looked at the fact that when somebody asks us about the hope that we have in Christ, we're always to be prepared to share our faith with somebody. Always be prepared as a mark of devotion. We're always ready. In uh, Acts chapter 10, um, there's a, uh, an account of a man named Cornelius um, who was a God-fearer, but he didn't have a relationship with Christ. And uh, he has a dream uh, to send a Joppa for a man named Peter who's going to come and tell him the good news about Christ. And so in Acts chapter uh, 10, we see that story um, start to unfold. God says, your prayers have been heard. Um, uh, send to Joppa uh, for Peter and, um, and, go, and he's going to come tell you the good news about Christ. And so when, when Cornelius is telling this story, it says in uh, verse 13 of chapter 11, he told us he had seen the angel. The angel said, send to this house, send to Joppa and bring Simon who is called Peter. And he's going to declare to you the words by which you and your household must be saved. And so Peter comes to tell Cornelius about his need for a relationship with Christ. And in the process of this story, Peter is having a vision at the same time. And so Peter is saying, hey, Peter's having a vision from an angel that says, um, you're going to go to Joppa and you're going to tell Cornelius about Jesus. And so they both have this dream. They kind of meet in the middle and the story unfolds about Cornelius coming to faith. But in chapter 10, when Cornelius first hears about this dream, when he wakes up, he, uh, he's lodging with one Simon. When he wakes up, when the angel had departed and he woke up, he called two of his servants in verse 7 of chapter 10. He calls two servants to him, a devout soldier from among those whom attended to him, and he t- relayed everything to him. And so when Peter has this vision, he wakes up and he calls this devout soldier to him to tell him this story. And the interesting thing about this was he didn't just have to go look for him. He didn't have to walk throughout the house looking for him. He didn't have to go downstairs and say, hey, you know, where are you? When it, when it, when after he has this dream, he calls and his servant was right there next to his room. This servant followed him around. He was a devout soldier among those that were attending for Cornelius. This soldier was right there all the time. 
To be devout and being committed to something means that you are right there all the time. Just like Cornelius' servants were there for him. The second he woke up, he called them and his servant was right there. He was a devout soldier. And that devout was the important part of this passage. When they heard about, when they heard this good news about Christ, the first thing that they did was they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, and to prayer. That devout behavior is reflective of the fact that they were always on. They didn't check out. They weren't sleeping. They weren't off doing their own thing. They weren't taking care of their own business. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, and the prayer. What does it mean to be devoted to the apostles' teaching? When we think about this body of Christ, and we think about the church, and we think about things that we're doing as a part of the church, the example that we have is that we are devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to Scripture. This is really important. This is not something that we do as a pastime. And so when somebody makes a faith commitment at Springbrook, the first thing we want to do is we want to get them a Bible so they can start reading. You know, when we go through our small group summer alignment series, we're going to be going through the book of Colossians. We're going to be reading Scripture together. We have encouraged everyone at Springbrook to follow us on the YouVersion Bible app so that we can be reading our Bible plans together. We need to be encouraging one another to be in God's word. It's the studying and applying scripture together. It's the, hey, what passage are you reading this week? You know, one of my favorite questions to ask is, hey, what have you been reading? And so hopefully when we ask each other that question, we can say, oh man, I was in the book of Acts yesterday. And let me tell you what I learned. Or, you know, I was talking to my kids last week and they were sharing with me some of the struggles that they were having at school. And I was encouraging that, you know, we're to be in this world, not of it. And so we, scripture is available for us to, to help us to be able to navigate life's challenges, to be able to overcome those temptations and those trials that come at us. Scripture is foundationally important to our spiritual walk. And so we need to be devoted to it. And that's what these early believers were doing. And that's what we encourage people to do at Springbrook. We want to help people to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. And then they were devoted to the fellowship. Fellowship is who we are together. You know, fellowship is our spending time together. Right now, you are part of a fellowship this morning. And so we've come together. We're encouraging one another. We're learning together. And when we break up in our small groups, that's a fellowship. They're going to be doing things together. They're committed to one another. They're praying for one another. They're encouraging one another. Fellowship is not just getting together to have, you know, cake and ice cream. That's fun. (laughs) Typically, when we think of fellowship, we think of a potluck. Anybody been to a potluck fellowship? Food is a great, important part of being part of the fellowship. In fact, they were, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. That's, that's the food. And so when we get together, you know, most of our small groups, we might have some snacks or some drinks. You know, we get together for our leadership gathering. We'll have lunch. You know, there's, food is typically a part of the fellowship. It's not all it's about because when we get together, we're supposed to be talking about what we're learning in scripture. But this fellowship is the commitment that we're making to one another. You know, our leaders are committed to our, to our, to our, to our other leaders. Our small group leaders are committed to the people in their group. Our staff and our ministry leaders are committed to people when they come in on Sunday morning. The fellowship that we're a part of comes about from devotion for the commitment of who we are together. And so they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the study of God's word, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the breaking of bread is something that we celebrate with regard to communion. You realize when Jesus was at that last supper with his disciples, 
right before he died and he gave us, you know, the last supper where we celebrate communion, he was having a meal with them. It was an ordinary meal. And so when I come home, when I go home tonight, I'm going to have dinner with my wife. We're sitting down. We're going to have an ordinary meal. When you go home and you're sitting with your family, you're having an ordinary meal. And so Jesus was sitting with his disciples. It was an ordinary meal. They were breaking bread together when he, when he lifted that bread up and he broke it. And he said, this bread is symbolic of my body that's going to be broken for you. He took the symbolism of a normal meal and made it relevant for them. Hey, whenever you eat, do this in remembrance of me. And whenever you drink, do this in remembrance of me. And so many times people, when they sit down at the table, will say grace. You know, if you're doing that correctly, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for you to, hey, God has provided this meal for me. I'm grateful for it. Aren't we grateful for who we are in Christ? And so saying grace at a dinner table is about reflecting and giving thanks for God's provision and who we are in Christ. Now, I grew up as a child. I had the same. We did the bless us, O Lord, for these I guess which we're about to receive through that bounty. Amen. So we did the same, we did the same prayer every meal. It's okay if you understand why it is you're doing that. I think sometimes people say grace and they're not quite sure why they do it. Sometimes people sit around at a dinner table and, and they, maybe they, they don't say grace. Now, I don't know if you say grace at your dinner table or not, but it's a good thing to do if you're talking to the people that you're having the meal with about remembering and giving thanks for what God's done in your life. It's a great thing to do. They were devoted to the study of scripture, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Prayer is our talking to God. You know, we listen to God as we study his word and we talk to God through prayer. That's the context of our relationship, talking and listening to God. And prayer is an important part of how we live out our Christian faith. That's why we're, you know, we're, that's why we get together every month. We get together corporately and we pray together. You know, we're, we're, we're moving to a uh, in-between the service prayer gathering uh, starting next weekend at, after the service at 1025. <laughs> And so our prayer team is going to be up front here. And, and, and people that want to come in early and pray, if they have a prayer need or they want to pray with somebody, you know, they can pray. I know our small groups, uh, when they get together, pray. I know when our elder board meets, you know, we pray. I know when our staff gets together, we pray. And so there's an element of prayer that permeates our ministry. Prayer is important to us at Springbrook. We are devoted to it. And it looks differently depending upon our circumstances. But you can always find somebody in Springbrook praying somewhere about something because prayer is important to it. We're devoted to it. We take seriously the study of God's word. We take seriously the fellowship and we take seriously the breaking of bread and who we are together. And we take prayer uh, seriously as well. And we're devoted to those things. And so when you think about what church is supposed to look like, These are at least four things that you should find in any church that's trying to live out what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. They're important um, to us. And then as you move on into verse 43, it says this, awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and they had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and their belongings and they were distributing proceeds to all who had need. There was a sense of awe in this gathering of people. That's why, you know, when I think about the stories, when I think about the way that God's working in and through the lives of people at Springbrook, as I think about the way God's working through our small groups, that's something to be in awe of. You know, every church that is healthy is a miracle. I mean, if you think about the odds, the things that work against us in our faith, the things that work against us as a church, the fact that you're able to thrive and survive and grow is nothing short of a miracle. Every church plant is a miracle. In the United States, when we start a new church, there is an 85% chance that that church is going to fail. Odds are against church plants. 
when a person makes a faith commitment. You know, Billy Graham will tell you it, whenever he did a, whenever he did a, um, one of his um, uh, revivals, you know, he'd always invite people to come up to the front and make faith commitments. And he said, you know, thousands of people would come up to make faith commitments. He, he would tell you uh, statistically that within a year, all those people that came up front to pray, 2% would have a relationship with Christ or be walking with Christ a year later. And so when people make faith commitments, you know, things work against you. It's like that seed that falls on the soil. We get choked out by life. We get choked out by our jobs and circumstances and, the, and priorities of this life pull us away from our faith. And so if somebody has been walking with Christ for, you know, 25, 30, you know, 50 years, that's nothing short of a miracle. I love talking to people that have had a walk with Christ or relationship with Christ for 50 years. They've got something to teach us. How on earth have you persevered in your faith? And they will tell you it's by being in God's word. It's by being in fellowship with one another. It's by encouraging one another. It's who we are together that enables us to sustain us in our faith. And we see that same thing in our relationships, in marriages today. You know, when a couple gets married, this, the odds of that marriage surviving are now in the neighborhood of 40%. Marriages don't work. A walk with Christ doesn't work. Churches don't. There are so many things that work against us. It's important for us to step back and to celebrate and be in awe of what God's doing. That sustains us in our faith. You know, telling stories is important. Our small groups are important. The, part, the stories about what God's doing in and through informed choices, those are important stories. Lives are being changed. When I look at our ministries, when I look at our missions, when I look at the way that God's working in and through this church, there's a sense of awe that I feel. And I hope that as you look around what God's doing in and through this ministry, you have a sense of awe about what God's doing. Two years ago, the entire year, when we went through uh, 20, the year 2020, we were praying that everyone at Springbrook would have a sense of awe about what God was doing God sustained this ministry. He grew this ministry. We came out on the other end stronger. I am in awe of how strong this church is right now, given the period that we just came through as a, as a nation, as a world, right? I mean, I'm in awe of that. You know, when I look around at what God's doing in this past year, we were praying that God would just pour out his spirit, that people would encounter our, our, the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. I pray that God would just draw people to them that they'd experience him in a fresh new way, that there'd be a sense of awe about what God's doing in their life. There's a sense of awe when I look around at what God's doing in our ministry, when I look at what God's doing through some of the missions that we support. I'm in awe that we can be a part of what God's doing on the other end of the earth where 16,000 new churches got planted and people are making faith commitments left and right. There's so many people making faith commitments they can't start churches fast enough. Isn't that amazing? I am in awe about what God's doing. When you're a part of that work, where you are devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and prayer, when you're committed to one another and you're serving together, there's a sense of awe about what God's doing. And many wonders and signs are being done. All who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold all their possessions and belongings and distributed them to people as they had need. So here's the good news. We're not asking you to go out and sell your house. <laughs> Don't have to sell your house. Don't have to sell your car. <laughs> Don't have to give everything up. Now, that's what these people were doing. That's the model that we've been giving. The point is, is that they were being generous with how God had blessed them and giving that to others. And we, we are able to do that because of your generosity. Our ministry is able to accomplish what it has for us here at Springbrook. We have four major milestones. We want to help people connect. We want to help them grow in their faith. We want to equip them for ministry. And we want to help them to go live missionally. Our budget in Springbrook 
breaks out into four of those areas. Everything that we do at Springbrook, all the giving and generosity that comes in through this ministry falls into one of those buckets. Everything that we do is about helping people to understand their need for a relationship with Christ, to grow in their faith, be equipped for ministry, and to be sent out. And it's the generosity of people that, that are enabling this ministry to happen. You know, we have a helping hand ministry through the, through the generosity of people that give to our helping hands. We're able to provide meals for people that are in need. When somebody comes into our church from our community, we can provide them with a gift card to Myers where they can get some food for their family. You know, we can provide for people that are in need in our community. We do counseling grants. We help people that are financially struggling with different areas of, of utilities or housing. And so our helping hand fund enables people to receive, you know, the help from other people in our fellowship. And so we get, to, we get to be a part of what God's doing in that way through the generosity. And so uh, people, many people have, have given significant gifts and we're so grateful for that because it enables our ministry to be effective at what God has called us to do. We get to tithe back a portion of our offerings to missions. And so our goal is we think about our budget every year. We want a portion of our budget to go towards missions, whether it's regional, go in the United States domestically or to the very ends of the earth. And so we get to be a part of what God's doing through the stewardship and the generosity of people here at Springbrook. There's a sense of awe about what God's doing. God's doing many wonders and signs, and we hold all things together in common. And then as you move to verse 46, it says, day by day, they attended together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. They met day by day in the temple courts and in homes. Every day, <laughs> temple courts, they were in their homes. You know, you know, we meet together on Sundays. This is an important part of worship. But then we meet together in our homes during the week as well. And then we meet together during the week when we get together with coffee with somebody or when we're, when we're sharing our faith with our neighbors or when we're getting together and encouraging one another. There's somebody at Springbrook that is meeting somewhere all during, out, all during the week. I love going into Panera. If you go into Panera on Saturday morning, you'll see some guys over in that corner doing a Bible study uh, on Panera. So we've got men that are doing a Bible study in Panera on, uh, on Wednesday and Saturday. And then we've got some of our women's groups are meeting in people's homes. They're, our couple's groups are meeting in people's homes. There's somebody meeting somewhere at Springbrook throughout the entire week. This ministry is not just built on what happens on Sunday morning. It gets pushed out into our community. It happens throughout the week. And then we were meeting together on a regular basis in the temple courts. This is our temple court gathering. This is all of us coming together to celebrate who we are together. And then we're going to break up into small groups as we break bread in their homes and study God's word together and encourage one another and pray for one another. And so it's a both and. You know, we need Sunday mornings and we need to be connected in relationships with one another in the context of smaller groups. Small groups are important to us at Springbrook. They're an important part of how we invest and equip and help people to grow and identify and raise up leaders. And when all these things are working together, when everything's working together, I want you to hear this. This is my favorite verse. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. As a result of this great work, people were making faith commitments. As a result of their devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, because of their generosity, because of their commitment to the biblical community, the result is that people will be saved. And so as I think about our ministry being an example for what it means to be a part of the local church, I pray every day for somebody that would make a faith commitment.
You know, last Sunday, I encouraged people, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, we encouraged people to take a step of faith, the best as they knew how, to ask Christ to come into their life and to make him their Lord and Savior, to cross that line of faith and to know where they're going for certainty. And then after I prayed that, I went back to my office and I prayed, Lord, if there's somebody that prayed that prayer, please let us celebrate that with them. I pray every day for this ministry that we would be effective at reaching this community for Christ. There's 150,000 people in a circle around this church. And so my prayers is that then when they see what God is doing here, when they see this sense of awe, that they would be attracted to it, that they would be able to experience the joy of having a relationship with Christ like we have and be drawn to the number daily, those that are being saved. I don't know of anybody that made a faith commitment last week. I planted some seeds. God hasn't grown it yet. I don't know of anybody that made a faith commitment last week. I don't know of anybody that made a faith commitment in the last month. I don't know of anybody that's made a faith commitment in the last month. In fact, so far this year, I know of two people at Springbrook that have made a faith commitment. And so we need to be faithful to what God has called us to do. And we need to trust God with the results. But my prayer is that many people would come to understand their need for a relationship with Christ and be a part of what God's doing in and through this local body of Christ. That's why we exist, to reach our community for Christ and build passionate disciples. Last week, I uh, saw some pictures of uh, the Titanic. I don't know if you've seen that. They got some new images, and uh, I was looking at the news, and there were pictures. It's actually kind of cool to see some of the pictures from that deep of water, but it reminded me of a story that I had heard about many years ago about uh, Lifeboat 14. Lifeboat 14 was one of the boats on the Titanic. And I've got a story I want to share with you. It's the Titanic sank that fateful night of April 15th, 1912. The majority of its ship's 20 lifeboats were less than half full. It is said that many on board the ship did not believe it would actually sink. They didn't see the need for a lifeboat. Many were confident that a rescue is going to take place. Don't worry about it. The boat's not going to sink. They filled the lifeboats as a precaution to calm the fears of the women and children. Everybody was screaming. We really don't need to worry about it. Let's put some people in the lifeboats just to shut everybody up. And so they filled up these lifeboats. However, they were dreadfully wrong. More than 1,500 people died that night when the Titanic sank. In the place where the Titanic had sunk, it says there was a spine-chilling chorus drifted across the waters. It was a mixture of cries, of screams, and shouts. For those that were sitting in the lifeboats, they were shivering in cold. It was the most nightmarish sound imaginable. Few, however, were moved to help the dying in the water. Nobody wanted to go back because they feared they would be swamped by the people that were drowning in the water as they rowed towards them. At 1.25 a.m., from the port side of the, the, of the Titanic, 5th Officer Harold Lowe was in command of a lifeboat 14. There was 20 of them. He was a lifeboat 14. He only had 45 passengers in his boat that would hold 65. And so he pulled up to another boat and he redistributed the passengers from his boat into the other boats. And he rowed back to the wreck with a small crew to attempt to rescue says that men could hardly row as the water was thick with corpses. History records that they saved just a precious few. And so he went back with his boat and he got just a few people that could be saved. And in order for him to do that, he had to reposition people 
in his boat to other boats to make room. The spiritual implication of this story is in, is, it can't be overestimated as we think about what it means for the church today. This church is a lifeboat. You know, we exist so that people could come here about the good news about Jesus Christ. We want to help people to understand and know what we have. We are responsible for making the manifold wisdom of God known to a watching world. We want to be a (laughs) lifeboat 14 church. And we want our small groups to be lifeboat 14 small groups, which means sometimes we have to move people around in our small groups. You know, our small groups have to make room for other people to come in. You know, I have, uh, uh, we transitioned small groups. Uh, when, when I moved into this role two years ago, uh, Pastor Matt took over responsibility for small groups. And, and I have done, uh, I've done a really good job letting that responsibility go. And Pastor Matt has done a great job with our small groups. And so I, I don't know a whole lot about what's happening in our small groups right now. But the one thing I do is that I always notice when one of our small groups gets full. <laughs> so a small group only holds 10. If it gets 10 people and it says it's full and people can't join that group now. And so the only thing that I do that I get myself in trouble is every once in a while I'll go in there. If a small group's full, I'll bump the size up a little bit. <laughs> So it shows that it's available. And so when you go to our small group system right now and you look at our small groups, you're not going to see any small groups that are full. Every single one of them is open. We are encouraging everybody in Springbrook to find a small group at Springbrook, which means our small groups have to make room for other people to join their groups. Now, if your small group is sitting in a house and, and some of our living rooms are relatively small, if you're sitting and your living room holds eight and 16 people try to show up, then we've got a little bit of a space problem. So we encourage people, if you're in a small group that's full, to be praying about stepping out to start another small group. And so we want to see a multiplication of small groups. It's my prayer that as our ministry grows, as this church grows, that people will not get lost in the shuffle. My fear is that somebody will say they showed up at Springbrook, nobody said hi to them, they couldn't find a place to get connected, they went to our small group system and three of our small groups were full. That would be a nightmare for me if somebody came into our ministry and could not get connected. And so our small groups are working diligently to make room for people. So I want to encourage you as we prepare to kick off our new series next week, if you're not in a small group, try one. And if you're in a small group and it's full, please talk with Pastor Matt about how we can help you to make room uh, in your small group. My prayer is that our church would grow. Prayer and uh, praying for a church to grow is biblical. We want our church to grow. We want it to be healthy. You know, we have a responsibility as we live out, you know, our responsibilities in community as God brings people to new life and grows them in their faith through the work of the Holy Spirit, this church should grow. And so it's my expectation as we move through the year that that there'll be more people here exploring what it means to have a relationship with Christ. There'll be more people here being equipped for ministry. It's my prayer that this church would grow. You know, we are, you know, we're praying for growth. The churches throughout Acts were strengthened in their faith and they increased in numbers daily. And so we, when we look at our church and we look back and we see, is this church having an impact? And we look back at what was happening five years ago or four years ago or three years ago or last year, we're praying that our church would grow and not because we're obsessed with church growth. It's not about the growth. It's about helping people to understand their need for a relationship with Christ, being connected and growing in their faith. There's healthy growth that we're praying for, that one would become two. We pray this for our small groups. 
that we'd have, instead of one small group, we'd have two. Instead of two, we'd have four. We're praying for growth. As we seek to reach our community for Christ, we're praying for growth and a multiplication of people that are making faith commitments. We're praying for growth in our small groups. We're praying that our church grows. And I want to invite you to pray with me as we move towards the end of this year, that there would be a sense of awe, that the Lord would add to our number daily those that are being saved, and, and that this church would grow. Would you pray that with me? If you want to know more about uh, Springbrook, you know, we have a starting point workshop coming up. Um, you can sign up for that. If you're not yet a member, you want information about that. Um, I want to encourage you to take the next step in, in being a part of what God wants to do in and through uh, this church. Disciple making is not teaching others to be like us, but rather teaching others who Jesus is and challenging them to fall radically in love with him. I read that one of our... Uh, I love this church devotionals last week and uh, it was talking about the role of the church and what the church was supposed to be doing. And, and the author of this devotion had this quote. I love this. You know, we're not trying to make people like us. You know, it's not, you know, we, we want to accept people where they are and we want to help them to take a step forward as they become Christ-like. That's what disciple making is. It's sticking with people till they get it. It's teaching others who Jesus is, and challenging them to grow in their faith. And if you want to know more about what that looks like, uh, please uh, join me uh, for Starting Point on October 5th. It's a two-week uh, class. We meet on Wednesday evenings on Zoom. I'd love the opportunity to help you get connected um, here at Springbrook. And then we've got our small groups coming up, and we cannot overstate how important small groups are to us uh, here at Springbrook. Um, this is where our relationships are formed. This is where uh, we grow and encourage one another in the faith. And uh, if you are not connected to a small group, now is a great time to get into one. You can get it from our app. You can do it from our website. Um, Pastor Matt and our small group leaders will be out in the uh, lobby this morning. Uh, we want to help you get connected. But be praying with us as we prepare to move into this new series starting next week. We're going to be looking through the book of Colossians at the identity and supremacy of Christ. And uh, Pastor Matt's got the, the workbooks out there today. Um, he just got those printed up. They're great looking books. It's a great study. And uh, we hope you'll join with us as we uh, step out into this next series together. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, I just want to thank you for uh, this day you've given us today. I uh, thank you for um, your plan for the church. I thank you that we can be a part of what you want to accomplish in this community. Uh, God, thank you for your faithfulness, for your provision. Uh, I pray that you continue to go before us as we seek to reach our community for Christ. I pray for those that uh, have questions about what a relationship looks like, that they would cross that line of faith. Uh, God, thank you for um, the hope that we have and give us the ability to be effective at sharing that with others. And I pray that for passionate followers of Jesus, God, that as people come into this ministry, they get connected and they serve, that they're excited about being here and that they understand and realize the importance that this ministry plays as a part of your plan in our community and the world. And to God, we commit all these things to you and for your glory. Probably these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand and worship once more. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. 
Well, I thank you for being with us today. If you're watching online, uh, our online host will be with you to pray with you. If you are here this morning and you want to pray uh, next weekend, we're going to be having our prayer gathering up front. I would encourage you to uh, find a small group. If you have any questions, uh, we've got people out of the lobby uh, that will be there to answer any questions. If you have any questions about our time together this morning, or if I can pray for you, uh, I'll be up front uh, here this morning as well. I hope you have a great day. God bless you, and uh, we'll see you next week.